all of God's people said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you guys so much. If you have your Bibles today, turn with me if you will real quickly. Not going to be long today. Everybody said amen. The more you say amen, the quicker I'll go. Amen? That's just wrong. Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. Just going to read a few verses. We think of being great. Who do you think of? What name comes to mind? Do you think of George Washington? Do you think of people like Aristotle and Plato? In fact, if you go and look at MIT, the statisticians have run a number of the top 25 most influential people in the world over the course of the entire uh, history of the world. Jesus is not number one, by the way, according to most statisticians, based on the fact because they feel like, and this is interesting, that his influence was merely that to the area of religion, which I totally disagree. Number one most influential person in the entire world, according to the statisticians at MIT, is a man named Aristotle, a philosopher. Second to him is Plato. Third, and sometimes second, they flip-flop, is Jesus Christ. Isn't that interesting that none of these other men that we consider great and important, Louis Pasteur uh, brought about pasturation of milk, and we look at Thomas Edison, the many, many things that he did and giving us light today. Praise the Lord. Glad we have lights. Look at George Washington. Look at the honor that he brought uh, uh, to, to the combat field. Look at all of these great influential people, and I submit that they're great. But what is it that sets Jesus apart? The Bible says Jesus came into the world Not to be served, but to serve others that he might give his life a ransom. You see, he's not like the other gods. We can't just throw him out there and just let it land where it lands and say, well, yeah, but if they're worshiping God, they're worshiping the same God. That is absolutely, unequivocally not true. That there is a difference in my God. My God left perfection, left his throne in heaven, came to a nasty, dirty place called earth, lived in a no-name community, lived as, a, as basically just a commoner's son, was born in a manger, lived a dirty, stinky life, didn't have a lot of money, didn't have a place later in life to call home. He came in on Palm Sunday after he entered into his earthly ministry at age 30 or so. He entered into uh, Jerusalem and they began to shout alms to him and put down the palm trees in their clothing so that he could walk on them. And, and they would say, glory to God in the highest and sing Hosanna. And yet one week later, the same people who adored him shouted crucify him. What makes our God better is that God is the only living, true God. If you go to where they have buried Muhammad, his decaying body is still there. If you go to where Buddha's been laid, his decaying body is still there. But the Bible says in Revelation, he was he who was dead and now is alive forevermore. He's not there. You go to Jerusalem today, you walk into an empty tomb. Because he's conquered death, hell, and the grave. He's taken the sting out of death. Death is not the finality. Death is not the end of all things. What makes people great today outside of the auspices of Jesus Christ? If we just really put the rubber where the road is, we realize that what makes people great is to walk in their giftedness. To walk in, if you will, their purpose. What are you called to do today? I submit that if we were to survey this crowd today, what are you called to do? We would come up with just a plethora of answers. I'm called to sing, so sing. I'm called to cook, so cook. I'm called to do this. And the reality is, is no, 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 no. Those are things that you get to do. That might be your purpose, but your calling is to be a child of the Most High God, to just give Him the honor and the adoration that He's due. Here's the truth, that if I, watch this, if Jesus behind lifted up, He said, I will draw all men into myself. You don't get people to come to Christ by doing what you do. 
You get people to come to Christ by lifting up the person in the name of Jesus. He draws people to himself. Last night, we, we celebrated that anthem of, of his splendor and his renown. And we, we sang songs, and, and, and it was a long three-hour church service. People standing to their feet. I looked over at Tony Watkins one time, and he stood up, he, and he was standing at the end of the service. And what makes people do that? There's just some urgency. There's some, well, plus the guy asked you to stand up, so you stood up, right? But there's this urgency to stand and to adore, when you got Michael Dennehy of 10th Avenue North up here just bragging on the Lord and, and, and sharing the stories. And Mike shared something with me. He said, you know, we've been doing this for 14 years. We've been singing and traveling. They're fishing to do. They're doing, the last night was six of 35 stops that they're doing right now. No doubt that's exhausting. I said, Mike, why do you do it? I, I had a little interview with him. Mike, why do you do it? This is my purpose. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. What are you supposed to be doing? What is God's will for your life? We've been speaking on this idea, this sermon series of Out Loud. And I'm going to go quick today, but I want to give you a sermon today entitled Serving Out Loud. Serving Out Loud. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew. Matthew's Gospel. Chapter 23. And I want to read a few verses, if I may. Then Jesus said to the crowds of his disciples and to his disciples, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees are the official, underscore that, the official interpreters of the law of Moses. These men could stand and wax eloquent. They could stand in the city streets and they could quote book of Genesis. They could quote quote Leviticus and Judges. They could quote the first five books of the Bible word for word. But watch what he goes on to say. They're official interpreters of the law. So practice and obey what they tell you. But watch this. But don't follow their example, for they don't practice what they teach. They crush people. Listen to this. See if this sounds reminiscent of our culture. They crush people with unbearable religious demands, and yet they never lift a finger to ease the burden. Are we doing that, church? Are we placing all of this legalistic jargon and rhetoric on people's backs that comes into the house of God? Or are we helping them to ease the burden? Jesus says, cast your cares upon me, for I care for you. You know, there's a burden to be born, and it's the one that Jesus has born for us. And he says, put my yoke upon you, for my burden is light, and my yoke is easy. Why? Because he's already carried the burden for you and I. Say amen. Watch this. He says, they crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Listen to this. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes and scripture verses inside. They wear long robes and extra tassels. They love to sit at the head of the table in banquets in the seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplace and be called rabbi or teacher. Don't let anyone call you rabbi, for you have only one teacher. And all all of you are equal as brothers and sisters. Don't address anyone here on earth as father, for only God in heaven is your spiritual father. And don't let anyone call you teacher, for you have only one teacher, the Messiah. Number 11, verse 11, this is it today. I want you to get this. The greatest among you, he said, must be, say it with me, a servant. The greatest, he said, among you is not the preachers. The greatest among you are not the singers. The greatest among you are not the people who oftentimes we elevate to those places of of glory and righteousness. Be very careful, church, that you ever, ever, ever lift a man up to any level of hierarchy in your life. Because if you fix your eyes on a man, he will forever consistently fail you. Notwithstanding the person standing in front of you. 
The hope is, is not that I put my eyes on a man or on a church or an institution because the church will fail you. The institution will fail you. Religion will fail you. But a personal relationship with Jesus Christ cannot, will not, unequivocally, unapologetically, will never, ever, ever fail you. See, the hope of this world is not just churches. The hope of the world is Jesus Christ, who, by the way, died for the local church. That's his bride. We are his bride. And if you look through this context, he said, the greatest among you are not these people who can quote, not these people who can sing. The greatest among you is really the one who is the least of these. Because he goes on to say in the final verse, and then I'm done with that. But those who exalt themselves, those who lift themselves up, oh, they're going to be humbled. Some translations say they will be abased. You know what that word says? It literally means they will be humiliated, pushed down. But the one who humbles himself, I love this. He says, I will exalt him in due time. Let's pray together. Father, help us rightly divide your word today. May you receive the honor and the glory. For you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Serving out loud. What do I do? What are the things that I do? I believe there's a few of them. One, and I love this one. It's going to hit you funny. I want it to marinate, though, spiritually. One of the first things I believe you need to do to serve out loud is you need to be great. Everybody say, be great. It's time to stop living in a life of mediocrity. God, through the Holy Spirit, in every... How many of you are saved? The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Is a great God. It's a perfect God. It's an excellent spirit. He cannot fail. You will fail. But one, one of the coolest things about being a child of the Most High God is that when I diminish, as John the Baptist said, I decrease, watch this, so that he may increase in me. Let's put it this way. To be great in God, you got to pour yourself out that he may pour himself into you. Less of you, more of him. The only way, the only way that you're going to see greatness in your life, and remember, I'm not measuring that by what you say greatness is. We're not talking accolades. We're not talking trophies. We're not talking mega churches. We're not talking the measuring rod by which the world measures greatness. We're measuring it by what the Word of God says. You know what he says? Be less and then be great. You want to be first in line? How many of you like to stand in lines? Okay, one or two. Okay, we'll talk after church. That's a little weird. But anyway, you want to be the first in line? Some theologians, and I use that word loosely, I'll just go there. Some preachers say, you want to be the first in line. Here's what you do, man. You just, when you pull into Walmart, in the mighty name of Jesus, you're going to open up a parking place in front of me, and somebody's going to pull out, and you're just going to pull right in the front in the name of Jesus. You know what my Bible tells me? If I want to be great, I'll park at the far end of the parking lot so somebody else can come park there. See, if I want to be first in the kingdom, then I'm to be what? Last here on earth. If I want to be rich, I make myself poor. You know what's really cool about people who I know that, that have done well financially? You know what? When you have a conversation with them, they're the most real people you'll ever find. They are people, if I could say it this way, who've taken the urgency and the desire and the need of money and put it off the table. You know why I believe that's why God gave it to them? is because it wasn't a point of reference in their prayer life. They never pray, God, give me money, give me stuff, give me things. God, I want a nice house. And here's what we do. We hide it in a prayer. God, give me a nice house so that I can just serve people. You ain't going to serve people. If you're not serving them with your little house, you ain't going to serve them with a big one. You ain't going to let nobody come in there because it's going to be like a fortress. Nobody's going to be able to walk on your floors. When I was in the military, they used to call it the kill zone. There was one door we could come in and only one. And getting 65 guys into a room at one time going through one door was really awkward, Okay. 
it was even more awkward that getting 65 guys to take a shower under eight shower heads. All the guys that served in the military say amen right there. That's weird. Just saying. But watch this. Where was I going? That, that just went. Uh, Men shower. Anyway. But watch this. I've heard people say this over and over, and you have too. God, if you just let me win the lotto, I build that church for Northridge. Lord, I start tithe. I, I ain't going to tithe. I'm going to give you like 50%. Lord, if you just let me win that Powerball and Jesus. I mean, I've heard people say that. Some of y'all did it, didn't you? went up to the counter. Lord Jesus, in the name of it, let me win this Powerball. Like an old preacher said, if you win, 90% of it is sin, 10% belongs to the church. Just saying. But watch this. If you won't tithe on what you're making now, you're not going to tithe on what you get through a Powerball. See, God's not going to give you more to be unfaithful with. Now listen. You say, well, okay, that applies to money. Oh, no, 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 no. Do you know, you know why some people never live in greatness? And, and again, I'm talking greatness, biblical greatness. Do you know why a lot of people never see greatness? It's because they're not using the gifts that God has given them now, so God is not going to waste more talent on you. You will never go to the heights of God's full potential in your life until you first establish a sense of humility at the lowest spot. I love the fact that everything we do is not based on getting bigger. In fact, if you, if you followed Rush Ministries any amount of time in church, one of the things we're saying this year is kind of reset. We're coming back to small things. We're going to do Rush. We're going to do Rush in 2016, May 21st. Guess what? We're not doing it out there on the property. We're going to do it right here in this building. 900 people. That's it. Capped out. Why would you do that when you got all that? I'll tell you why. Because God said do that. And we're building a church this year. We're believing God for great things. But here's what I believe God's saying. God says, keep it small. Keep it small. Remember where you started. Remember the purpose of why you do what you do. Last night we had a packed house in here. So we can do it, church. So we can't pack the place out, okay? Invite somebody next week, we'll do it again. And I'll just, we'll just tell them Mike Dunahy and 10th Avenue North is coming. And, and when he don't show up, I'll get up and sing. I promise you it'll be awesome. Nobody will ever return, but it'll be awesome. Listen to this. Let me, let me do it this way. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. I don't know if we have this verse or not, but listen. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of your Lord. How many of y'all are ashamed of Jesus? Just get your hand up. Let's go ahead and settle this out. How many of y'all are ashamed of Jesus? Does the world know you're not ashamed of Jesus? Does the world know or that you're not ashamed of Jesus? I digress. Listen. Therefore, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor, watch this, nor of me as a prisoner, Paul said, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God. I love this. Who has saved us, if I say saved us, who has called us, I'm going to start over. I want you all to get loud. Who has saved us, who has called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose, say purpose, and grace, which were given us in Christ Jesus before time began. Now, I want you to watch what's going on here. We see that he saved us, he's called us, he's purposed us, and he's graced us. Now, watch this. I love this. Right there in the middle of him saving us and him gracing us, he has called us and he's purposed us. Let me tell you what you're calling in. Your calling is what is in your hand. It's what God has already given you. That's your calling. 
Moses in Exodus chapter 4, you know, God went to him. He was actually checking the, the, the flock of, of, of Jethro, his father-in-law, and he's out in the field. And he heard a voice, and it was an angel. It was God burning in a burning bush. And he tells him to take his shoes off, and he begins to call him. I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him to let my people go. And I love all of the dialogue that Moses went back and forth with God, much like we do today. Who shall I say sent me? He said, I am. Like, go, I am what? (laughs) I am that I am. Tell him I am sent you. He'll know who I am. Yeah, but I, I, you know, how am I going to do this? I love this this verse where he says in Exodus chapter 4, around verse 9, he said, hey, he said, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? He said, what do you have in your hand, Moses? Have but a staff. Throw it on the ground. It became a snake. Moses jumped back. He said, now pick it up by the tail. And he picked it up by the tail, and it became his staff again. The power was what he already possessed in his hand. That was his calling. Your calling is what you have in your hand. Your purpose is what God has put in your heart. What's your calling today? Your calling is to make disciples. Your calling is to share Jesus. Your calling is to love the unlovable. Your calling is to serve out loud. I love the fact that people yesterday just stepped into their calling. We have people up here moving boxes around because they have the strength to do so. People with bad backs, that may not be their calling. So guess what? We had other people out front receiving people, you know, because that's their calling. We have people on the backside from yesterday morning all the way to yesterday evening just cooking dinner, cooking. We didn't have a grill, so they went and bought a grill. We didn't have a grill out front. We went and bought a grill. You know, it's your calling. It's what God has put in your hand. But the purpose is what God has put in your heart. And it's sandwiched right between saving me and gracing me. Be great. Aspire to be great. If you're doing okay, be better than okay. Ephesians 2.10 says it this way. For we, for I, for you, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to walk in those works that God has prepared before time. God has a plan for your life. Are you walking in it? Are you walking in your plan? Because if you're walking in your plan, you're going to live a life of mediocrity. Spiritually, you're going to live a mediocre life. And when you do come to that place in your life where you, where you die, my dad, I'll tell you, he died uh, February 26, two days ago, was three years. My dad was a stickler for all of his tools. Man, he, he has so many tools. I don't know that he knew where all of them were. He had them all over the place. But he had tools and he had stuff. And dad always carried cash in his pocket. And he, and, he, and he had that because he didn't have nothing as a young boy. And dad was a giver. And all the things that mattered to dad, when he came to that point in time of death, and he's on his deathbed, do you know none of that mattered anymore? He didn't care who had the wet saw. He didn't care how much cash was in his pocket. He didn't care what somebody borrowed a trailer. He didn't care about any of that. Because at the end of all things in our life, the only things that matter then are the things that should matter now. Don't we place a lot of emphasis on stuff and on businesses and on getting ahead and on trophies and on accolades? Let me please say this humbly. I think we ought to be doing extracurricular stuff. We ought to be challenging our kids. We ought to be. I understand if you have a, a, a business or a job. or You know, you got to do that. I get all that. 
But that is not your calling. That is not your purpose. That is what God has allowed you to do here on earth to help to support your calling and your purpose to be great for the glory of God. I like what uh, Mike Dunne, he said last night. He said, if you're a singer, sing. But that's not what you're called to do. You're called to make disciples. But if you do sing, sing unto the glory of God. If you're a hairdresser, cut hair for the glory of God. If you're a plumber, he said, he said if you're a plumber, plumb to the glory of God. Just pull your pants up. If you're a contractor or a builder, build for the glory of God. If you cook, cook for the glory of God. If you're an encourager, encourage. Don't miss the whole point of reference as to why you and I are still here. Why did he not take us the moment he saved us? He saved me and he left me here to walk in my calling and in my purpose. And he did the same for you. Not only do we want to be great, but in order to serve out loud, we need to serve the Lord. Where's Ashley? Is she in here? Is Ashley in here somewhere, my daughter? Well, come here. I was going to say she's out there smoking, but some of y'all would get upset with that because she's not really smoking, but she's pregnant. She's dipping. Listen, come here. Put you on the spot. I want to brag on my wife. When we were when we were younger in marriage, my wife taught our children. She encouraged them. She she read the Bible. She prayed over them. I remember. I remember early in her marriage when the when Tyler was just a little baby. We lived on O Street, a three room house. Gotta love those three-room houses. How many of y'all lived in a three-room house at some point in time? I mean, like you go, I'm going to the kitchen, I'm going to the den, I'm going to the bathroom, you're all in one place. It's awesome. These big old stinking doors, but you just like no house. Boom, boom, you know. I'm in the bedroom. You know, anyway. And I remember uh, the baby bed was in our room, which just so you know, that that's not right for babies to sleep in your bedroom. You get no sleep. And Stephanie would pray over Tyler. And, and then she did it later with Ashley. Pray, Lord, I pray right now that you're creating a godly spouse. I sit back over there going, when are they getting married? Don't wait till it's time for your kids to get married. Start pouring godly influence in them. Share the gospel. Read the Bible. Challenge them. Do you still know Psalm 100? <laughs> Say it with a little vigor. Okay, all right, here's what I want. This is, watch this. Serving the Lord. Watch this. Say it, say it good, come on. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands. Loudly. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are the people and the sheep of his pastors. Enter, his, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Come into his courts with, pra- courts with praise. Be thankful for him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, his truth endures in all generations. All right. I'll buy you lunch today. Psalm 102, serve the Lord with gladness. Listen to what it says, serving the Lord with gladness. Man, what was so beautiful last night is seeing people, uh, Rob, uh, where's Rob Adams? Rob Adams, if he came by me one time, he came by me a hundred. He came by me, bumped my fist or something. He was running around, had a little radio, and he's running around picking up stuff. He's sweating, and his family's up top, and he's not with his family, and he's running around picking up stuff, and he's kind of like the stage director, and he's running around moving stuff, and it, man, he just don't even care. And he, every time he come by me, he goes, man, I love this stuff, and he punched me in the fist, and I'm like, dude, you're weird, and he's just, he just loves it. 
He loved to serve. Ben Daniel, sitting right over there in that corner, just sitting there and, and just making sure people are okay, flowing. Ray Ayler out there. Ray just got saved six months ago. He got on fire for the Lord, and he's just serving God. And he's back there just, hey, man, can I help you? He'll cry with you, pray with you. And, and we got other people. I mean, I could go on and on. And people outside cooking, people in the back serving. And you know what? When they left, here's what was said when they left. They said, we will never forget this little town. We were treated great. We were treated like people. People that walked in and out of here, they felt like they meant something, like they mattered. You see, when I serve the Lord, what I really do is I realize that I'm serving the church. As the band comes, not only do I need to be great, not only do I need to serve the Lord with gladness, but I need to serve the church. I need to serve, not in the church, I need to serve the church. Last night there was one moment where we looked up after it was over with, and man, there's 20 guys up here moving stuff around, and it made light work out of it because people served the church. Galatians 6 and 10, the Apostle Paul says it this way, and we therefore have an opportunity. Let us do good unto all men, especially those in the house of faith. Why do we need to treat people in the house of faith with care? Anybody know? Because if we can't get it right in here, what makes you think anybody out there even cares as to what's going on inside of this place? If we can't be servants in the household of faith and serve in here, here's the thing. I, you know what I would love to see? Yeah, how many of y'all been in church more than 10 years? I'm going to share a paradigm with y'all that needs to be exploded today in our midst. 90 10% of the people do it, 90% of the work. Some people, Tim, I'm just going to say this out loud because you know it. Some people will come in day in, day out, week in, and will never, ever serve the church. Some, I submit to you, it's because they weren't asked. We've got to ask them. We've got to encourage them. Deacons in this room, are you doing your part to encourage the household of faith to get involved, to plug in? If we're not, we're failing. If we're pastors, are not telling you what's going on so that you can serve. We're failing. But then there's some of us in this room today who will walk in and will never, ever, ever, ever serve. Do you know why? Here's what we get. I'm too busy. What are you too busy doing? Because you're serving the community in all these ways. But what about the church? What about the household of faith? I want to be great. Serving out loud means I want to be great and I want to walk in my calling and in my purpose. I want to serve the Lord with gladness. I want to serve the church. And then lastly, I want to serve people. Listen to this. I love this verse. Same chapter of Matthew's gospel. Verses 34 and 40 through 40. Then the king will say on those on his, to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For when I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. When I was a stranger, you took me in. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you visited me. When I was in prison, you came to me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? When did we 
see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say unto them, Assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you did unto the least of these, you did it unto me. How many times do we pass people by because they have nothing to offer me? Somebody walked through the door today and they look different, they smell different, they act different. Maybe they looked a little crazy. And you knew they had no money, they had nothing to offer you. What do you do to those folks? You don't even say anything to them. You just kind of hope they, they avoid talking to you altogether. They walk through the door. Here's what you're not going to do. Jump up and embrace them and say, man, I'm glad you're here. But let's rewind that a minute. What if the wealthiest guy in town walked through these doors? Hey, come on, come here. I got, I got a seat for you right here. Man, we're so glad you're here. Man, I love that suit. Hey, is this your kids? What's their names? Do we do that? If we do, shame on us. Jesus said, as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. Jesus didn't come to set the righteous free. He came to save the sinners. He come to die for, He died for the dirt of this world. He died for the failures of this world. The disenfranchised, not the enfranchised, not the in crowd. Well, do we want to build a church with the in crowd? Or do we want to build a church where people just love Jesus? Do we want to build a church of people who are out there? Because here's the thing, and I'm just going to say this because the Holy Spirit prompted me to do so, and I'm going to say it. Listen, if every single one of you had a passion and a heart for God, next week you'd bring somebody with you. You may not even know who they are right now, but you will go on a life's pursuit starting right now. Somebody that needs to be in the house next week. We can call it bring a friend day, and people will bring a friend. We can call it high attendance Sunday like we used to, and we may do it in order to get a number, so we can post on Facebook and say, man, we had a high attendance. But what if we just got real and said, oh, okay, we don't, we don't want us to even bring our friends in. Because if they're our friends and we've already spoken to them, they'll come when, if God leads them to. If they don't, let them stay where they are. High attendance, I don't want just a bunch of bodies in here. But what if we purposed, what if you purposed to this week open your spiritual eyes and see people the way Jesus sees people? The least of these. You see somebody out there, a mom pushing pushing a buggy in Walmart. Slapping the kids and hollering at them and not knowing what, what turmoil she's in at home. Is she trying to make it on her own? Don't know where her next gallon of milk's going to come from. Or a guy like Stephanie and I saw up in, up in Jonesboro a few weeks ago. This guy standing outside the gas station. And he just looks like a thug, man. He, look, he literally looks like a thug that's high as a kite. And Stephanie got out, and I just kind of felt this urgency as a husband to get out, because I, I, I didn't know what this guy was going to do. He's standing there looking. He's checking things out. I'm like, okay, I'm getting out. So I stood at the back of my truck. we just come home from Jamaica. This guy had these just really aggressive tattoos. You could tell some gang tattoos. His eyes just looked like he hadn't slept in weeks. His hair real long, and shoes just torn to pieces. 
maybe, maybe 30 years old, 28 to 30 years old. And he comes up to me and he says, man, I, I know I look like a bunch of trouble. I just got out of jail. He said, and, and this is why, and, and, you know, and blah, 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 blah. And, and he said, man, do you have any money just so I can get me something to eat? And my flesh said, get away from me, dude. I didn't say it out loud, but in my flesh it was like, dude, don't touch me. I don't know what you, what you, where you've been. I don't know what you got. I don't know anything about you, man. But my spirit just started to weep. And I put some money in his hand, and the guy came outside and just began to curse at him. And get off the porch, man. You know better. I've told you I'm going to call the cops. The guy goes, call the cops. Then I can go get a, a couple of meals. Call them. How low must he have been that that was the way out to go back to jail? And I, I'm just sitting there going, we just went over to Jamaica and just served all these people and gave them medical attention. And, all, and God, you've laid one right in front of me and my flesh is going, get away from me. Here's a tip. Here's 20 bucks. Move on. I felt so much conviction. The guy ran him off and there it was. That was the end of it. I let it go. She gets in the car, Stephanie gets in the car and I didn't even say anything. And I see the guy walking over there near the checkers right there in Jonesboro. I looked in the back of my truck and there sat some new Air Jordans that I just bought. And I'm like, all right, Lord. Pulled the car around and I know the guy was thinking something was just going to happen, maybe an altercation. And he kind of stepped back and I I got out of the car and I said, come here, man. I said, please forgive forgive me. Forgive me for not loving you. Oh, man, you don't have to worry about that, man. Everybody treats me that way. I said, no, I do. I'm a pastor. And I disrespected you. Please forgive me. It's okay, man. It's all right. I reached in the back seat, and I gave him those shoes. I put them in his hand. Man, he melted. He just melted. I said, don't, don't. This is God's business, bro. This is God. He just held him and looked at him. My flesh creeped back in. He said, he's going to sell him for dope. And I quickened my spirit. I said, I don't care what he does with him. All I want to know is that I do what God had called me to do. I just want to serve the Lord with gladness. Do I even care that if he died that day on the street that he would go to hell? Do you care? Do we care? Oh, yeah, I care. Then what are we doing about it? The second we got in the car, my bride's over there looking on a hibbit going, let me find him some shoes. You know, she felt bad. Shoes? Are you kidding me? Jesus gave his life for that guy. Don't care about no stinking shoes. We need to diminish. We need to quit thinking so highly of ourselves and realize that guy is who we were before Jesus saved us. The stink in that guy is what Jesus died for. That stench can become a sweet aroma in the nostrils of God when he redeems one like him. What are we going to do with that today? Serve him out loud. That's what you do with it. And when you serve, nobody tells you thank you because it don't even matter. You didn't do it for somebody else. You did it for him. 
You don't get brought up on the stage and get an accolade. It doesn't matter because you don't want that. You want the gift, the righteous gift, the crown that God gives you in heaven when he says, well done, that good and faithful servant. Enter you in to all that I've prepared for you. I challenge you, church. Eyes wide open. A challenge. Not for me. The Holy Spirit laid this on my heart. Next week, bring one person with you. One person with you. You may not know them right now as we speak. Bring one person with you that needs to hear the gospel. Bring them. Go pick them up. Don't come in next week and say, well, I just got a little bit too busy. What if they died today and you didn't bring them? That's how big and urgent it is. Serving out loud means that you diminish. A little bit of you decreases that he may increase in you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Do we even care? Do you care? I care. Do you? I believe that you do. Do you know Jesus today is the Lord of your life? If you don't, right now just pray. Pray with me from your heart to God and ask him into your heart. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I ask you to save me. Be the Lord of my life. Help me to live for you. To the day you call me home. In Jesus' name I pray. If you prayed and asked Christ into your heart, real quickly without hesitation, lift your hand up right now and say, I prayed and asked Jesus Christ in my heart to be the Lord of my life. Hold it up high. Hold it up high. God bless you. Anyone else looking around? I mean, if you could say, Mark, I need to start serving out loud. Pray for me. I got some things in my life I need to sort out so that I can do what God's called me and purposed me to do. If that's you today, lift your hand. Lift it up high. Lift it up high. Hold it up high. Here's how you can start serving. Here's how you start serving. You give yourself over to God. When I count to three, every person that has your hand up, I want you to come. I want you to pray. The doors of our church are open. I want you to know today can be a new day, can be a brand new beginning. The slate can be clean today, but you have to commit and accept what Jesus has already done for you. On the count of three, when I ask you to stand, won't you come? Bring your wife, bring your husband, bring your family. Young people, bring your friend. Let's, pour, let's pray together. Let's bombard heaven together. And let's see great change in our church. Let's see great change in our community. Let's see great change in our life. On the count of three, you come. One, two, three. Y'all come. I'm going to stand down here. If God has spoken to your heart today about something, you just want to come shake my hand, come do that now while they sing.